Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. As ever, we asked for your thoughts on this week's two games. We'll start with Tuesday night's defeat in the EFL Trophy to Shrewsbury. No real complaints or concerns on the result of the game that didn't really matter. People were more focused on the performance of players. Russell Tagg, James Blake, Jonathan Ditt and Andy Griffiths all picked out players they were impressed by, specifically Ainley, Powell and Zanzala. Lucy enjoyed finally seeing Zanzala get a run out, but wasn't too impressed with Richards in goal. Alex Gresty, great name, assume it's a pseudonym, brings up with sadness that it unfortunately looks like Nolan's career could be over. Moving on to Saturday, a 2-0 win at home to top of the league meant glowing reviews. Tim Green saying performance of the season so far. Steve Christ says, can't argue with a win in a clean sheet against top of the league. And Andrew Copeland saying, we tore them to pieces first half and then played solid second half with Wintle a joy to watch in midfield. Robin added the free kick was straight out of the Kenny Lunt school of free kicks. And with a quarter of the season through and all of the top six played with Cruz at mid-table, that's pretty decent for our first season back. Julie simply added, just need to stuff Oxford now. Hello and welcome back to this week's Railway Men podcast. Another two games to look back on this week, although two very different crew sides in the games and two very different results. To do that, we're going to need a panel. And I think we're probably as close as we've ever been to having our original panel from the first pod. That means, first up, it's Neil Price. Hi, Neil. Hi, Stu. Always good to have you on, Neil. It just means that those family members who only listen when you're on will help the figures this week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Three more. This week, uh, a friend of mine said he loves listening, but he prefers it when we don't just all agree with each other and we have a little bit of back and forth. I had a little think about that, decided it was probably about time to get Alex Arani back on. So, hi, Alex. Well, I've been cast as a pantomime villain already. Hello, <laughs> Stu. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you haven't got any football to dominate at the minute. How are you getting on with lockdown two? Um, I'm all right. I, I've got the Masters this weekend, which has helped me. So it was a morning run while it was relatively dry. Back in time for half 12 to watch the round two of the Masters conclude and then straight into the football this afternoon on iFollow. So not been as bad as I thought it was. Keeping busy then. As always. So we are pretty close to the first panel. We don't have Steve Davis today, but we do have the first person that volunteered their services for the pod following the release of that first episode. It's Tim Robinson. Hi, Tim. Good evening. Um, we're going to get on to the FA Cup draw later, Tim, but you wanted to play Marine, didn't you? Are you happy or sad that crew weren't drawing against Marine now that you won't get to go? Um, I wasn't very impressed with the draw. To me, I just wanted someone that we could um, beat and get through. Um, Marine would probably have fitted that um, category quite nicely. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Cheltenham draw later. But yeah, I, a little bit of a blur draw, isn't it? Right, let's get started with this week's games then. Shrewsbury first. I think uh, if we all accept that the result isn't that important, people don't really care about the competition. We'd already qualified. There's no benefit to finishing top. I thought today we'd split the analysis uh, of this game into two parts, positives and negatives. Uh, does that sound good, guys? Yep, sounds like a plan to me. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I disagree with the sentiment behind what you said, but you get 10 grand for winning one of those games. 
when we haven't got fans in the ground, you know, maybe the report result is slightly more important than we might put on it. But I do still think the correct decision was made resting players. Um, but to say it was a non-affair, not important, I think it's probably doing a bit of a disservice because the club could have probably done with the 10 grand. Fair play. Uh, so that, that's a negative then. Neil, give me one of your positives from the Shrewsbury game. Um, I would say just uh, the youngsters, obviously, getting more of a Renault. Obviously, um, Griffiths in the middle, obviously, did well. I think they're both full-backs again, like, did really well, didn't, didn't do anything wrong. Powell getting back to, obviously, he showed it on Saturday as well, getting back to sort of full fitness, that the Daniel Powell that we know. So, yeah, they were the positives for me. Tim? Uh, Zanzala would be the, the main positive that I'd take from it. Um, you had some clown on the podcast a couple of weeks back saying there was no way he could play as the front man in a three. Um, well, he certainly proved whoever that was, it, it was me, uh, wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought he had a cracking game, um, linked up really well with Ainley, linked up with the wingers, um, held the ball up well, and should have scored more than his one goal, which um, he took really well. Uh, I'll have to go back and listen to that, Tim. I can't quite remember who it was that said Zanzala couldn't play up front on his own. Uh, that was me. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, yeah, Regan Griffiths. Let's talk a little bit more about him then. Um, yet another centre mid that we've got coming through at the same time. How impressed were you, Tim, with that performance? Yeah, I mean, I, I was really looking forward to seeing him when I saw he was in the starting lineup. Um, I remember at the start of the season, David Artell gave him a mention and especially he talked about his determination, said what a really determined player he was. And I kind of thought at that point he was probably ahead of Lundstrom in the pecking order. So um, the fact that Lundstrom was featuring quite a lot at the start of the season shows how far Lundstrom's come. But yeah, Griffiths had a really good game. Uh, obviously, he set up the uh, power goal, the first one, with a lovely through ball. Although I, I do actually suspect he, it was aimed at um, Zanzala, but lovely slide rule pass between the two centre-halves. Um and his general play was really good. Um, he was neat. He was tidy. He did get stuck in. Um, and he's kind of pretty much technically what you'd expect from a, a crew midfielder. But my wife was laughing, saying, oh, you found another four foot eight central midfielder <laughs> in the academy, have you? Um, but yeah, he, he had a cracking game. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell your wife, but it works. Um, Neil, Callum Ainley, was he perhaps unlucky not to even get on the pitch on Saturday after Tuesday? Yeah, he was another one that was, um, yeah, very impressive. I think, yeah, he was my man of the match, to be fair. Um, yeah, he was just all over the place, really. I think that yeah. bloke for Shrewsbury might have a claim for man of the match, to be fair. He got Attrick, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> ah, man of the match. Um, okay, so positives then, yeah, the three uh, young players, Johnson, Adebisi, Regan, Griffiths. Although, uh, is, there a, is there a possibility that Adebisi, Johnson, they sort of faded a bit as the game went on? They sort of seemed like they tired. They couldn't quite do what NG and Pickering do, which is bomb on and defend at the same time for 90 minutes. Looking at the amount of minutes they'd have both played this season, to come in and have to play at that tempo for 90 minutes having not played that breadth of competitive football, I think it is going to catch up with them. 
and if in a normal season you'd say to catch up with them but factor in the previous seven months where they wouldn't have done any not too much because of the pandemic and it's sort of a bit of a double whammy so I think the positive if they did play well for an hour I'd take that as the right they're still there technically okay they run out of gas a bit but that'll come with just playing more minutes I think there's definitely uh, a case to be made that both of those will be playing in the first team at some point so that's the positives then negatives uh tim do you want to start us off with uh where we could improve well defensively we were shocking um i have to say we were statues for their first goal um richard splats at one second and just you know we were three two up and cruising and then basically threw it away and i thought neither of our center halves Really, although you know, like the fullbacks, they, they both probably needed the minutes, so you can't necessarily uh, criticize them too much. But neither of them covered themselves in glory. I don't think either of them would have uh, given Dave Artell any sleepless nights when he was um, looking at his team selection for Saturday. And um, yeah, they, they both looked slow, really. Although they both did quite decent in possession, but when it came to marking and um, Defending, they both look miles off the base. Uh, Neil, I think you put a tweet out, didn't you, saying it was a shame to see how far Eddie Nolan had fallen down the pecking order after that game. Yeah, I mean, even watch like because you would naturally assume that Nolan would be ahead of uh, Lancashire, but Lancashire looked a lot better than Nolan um, the other day. He just seemed to shadow himself. I don't know whether it's injuries or or what, but yeah. Um, and or, another negative, I think, I would say you can see why Will is the number one. I, I don't think Richards did. He looked quite shaky for me. And but yeah, I don't know. He just, he, he, I don't know. It's a lot more comfortable with Will in the goal. One thing I've got as a negative, um, and I don't mean this in the way that he plays, but it's still... Um, Owen Dale and his end product. He was everywhere. He's such a competitor. He wants to win. He wants to win every ball, but he's still not quite there, is he, in terms of end product? I, I really like Owen Dale. Um, I think there is an element of headless chicken about him, but I think the energy that he brings and the kind of um, determination and, and pace that he brings to me, you take that, even though the end, as you say, the end product isn't always there, um, and he's, he's a completely different type of player from all of our other attacking options. So, I, I I don't necessarily mind that you don't always get the the final ball. Okay, then let's move on to Saturday's game. Then uh, top of the table, Peterborough came to town. It's fair to say, or is it fair to say? that crew finally got the result that some of the recent performance have deserved but have not got? Spot on assessment. Um, you know, the first 20 minutes, I suppose it was about on the half hour where we scored, the first 25 minutes, it did have that sense of foreboding that not again um, because we played just as well at Ipswich. We played just as well at home, at home to Jill's um, and didn't have anything to show for it. So when that first goal went in, it was a bit of a relief. And then getting the second before half time was like, okay, now hopefully we can we can pick them off on the counter. Um, we didn't. We didn't really look like scoring in the second half. Actually, I think there was a few poor decisions in there. But defensively, we looked very sound, very solid. There was a couple of scares. 
But they're top of the league. You're going to expect that. I thought it was an all-round, very professional display. Um, big shout-out to the two centre-halves. I thought they were excellent. Beckles, the highlight of the game with that dummy in the 90th minute. Unreal. Shame Tommy Lowry was on a different uh, different planet because it was a, a brilliant bit of skill. Uh, Morsi alluded to it on commentary. I'm not sure you want your centre-half really bombing on and doing a dummy in the 90th minute when you're 2-0 up. Um, but we'll take it nonetheless. Um, but a job well done, you know. Peterborough. Lincoln looked good when we played them and when they were top of the league. They had their press in order. They really knew where everyone was doing. Peterborough looked like they more rely on a bit of individual brilliance. Dembele had flashes today. I presume that Johnson Clark Harris is a goal scorer if you give him some service. But otherwise, they were pretty flat and stale. But I think we should take some credit for that because we made them flat and stale rather than they were flat and stale. Yeah, I think that was something that came through from last week's pod when we had their fan on. He, even though they're top of the league, he wasn't particularly sort of like glowing about them. And I don't know, I wasn't particularly impressed with them myself. I don't know if that's something you would agree with as well, Tim. Yeah, I, I think Alex is quite right to mention Lincoln. When we played them, they did look like a really good team, whereas I don't think he ever did. And to be fair, I think they've probably had to rub the green a little bit in a couple of their closer games this season. And I think they've also had a kind of pretty favourable run of fixtures where they've played a lot of the lower teams. So you might say their their league position is a, is a little bit false. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we, we held them at arm's length quite easily. I thought we were the, comfortably the better team in the first half. Should have already have been 1-0 up by the time we scored. Finney made a great run and Again, failed to finish. And as Alex said, you were kind of at that point, you were like, oh no, not again, here we go. Um, well, yeah, se- second half, when you thought it was going to be the, the Alamo, we didn't really even have to put our uh, cigarette down or, or, or our can of beer. We just kind of uh, held them at arm's length pretty easily. I think if if we were really pushed, we probably could have found a couple more gears. And yeah, it was a, it was a pretty convincing win. I say, yeah. when you reference cigarette there, I thought of Omar Beckles. Do you know when he intercepted that one in the second half and then went on that run and then he sort of stopped and then he checked back and eventually he sort of won a foul? I was thinking, he's not smoking a cigarette, he's smoking something else here. What on earth is he on? Is he on? And oh, I was yeah. sort of shaking my head, but also sort of celebrating because this is great to watch, but he's like, just, you've done the brilliant bit of defending. Just get rid of it now and give it to a teammate. Um but yeah, he was, yeah, we were, you were right. It was like we were playing sort of cigars in the mouth and it was all at arm's length. Neil, talk us through the first goal then. No, it was a, it was a really good free kick to be fair. Obviously, Kirk stepped up as, as if he was going to, that you would think it was going to go top left-hand corner from what we were looking, but obviously it went bottom right. I think it was, so I think the keeper was just about to move to go to his right, but Again, like sort of good little sort of thinking by Pickering to go bottom, bottom right for his corner with Kirk doing that sort of run up as well for him. That was the key. It was the it was the disguise where, and I don't think it's done often enough. You put a right footer and a left footer on it, and then you're never sure who's going to take it. So really, it changes how you set up your wall as a goalkeeper, how you're setting yourself up. And that disguise actually can make a big difference in the grand scheme of things. And it did, because I do think there was genuine, it was sort of a right footer's angle, but you know, Pixie's, you know, best on dead ball, so he's always going to take it. But they weren't sure because it was so set up for a right footer to sort of whip it up and over. And I think that disguise actually 
sort of dragged the keeper a yard over, which meant that, you know, Harry could put it where he did. And I think it's something we should be more savvy to with certain other set pieces as well. Get a right and left footer over it. So you don't know if it's going to be an in-swinger and a way-swinger. And it just changes how sides defend. Yeah, I think you bang on. I think, like, if you were the goalkeeper... Uh, I often you am. Would have, you would have looked at Kirk and thought, the way he was lined up, it was going to be him that was going to curl it in top corner. And I think for Pickering to fool him and him to have it, I think that was clever. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a critic. I still think the goalkeeper should save it. You're set up on when I was played in goal when I was younger. I'd have my wall. If he went up and over the wall, which was quite easy when you're 15, 16, um, fair enough. But if it comes my side, I'll save it. I know they try and get the ones that go over the wall, but I'm also I still just think if it's on your side, that's your job. It's gone off the post, but he still should have covered it. Um, speaking as someone who is a critic, Alex. Um, who won the free kick that the goal came from? And have you changed your opinion on his recent performances? Uh, it was a young Oliver Finney. Um, I didn't think it was a foul, actually. Um, as far as I was concerned, I actually thought their man did quite well when he got round and, and sort of jammed the ball. Um, but it, I think the angle the referee came at, it looked like he took the man. So I, I thought it wasn't a foul. But when it was a foul, he did well in the sense of, you know, he he, he was driving on. He still picks up positions, but he still doesn't do enough for it. I think there was one in the first half with a cutback when he should have driven further and tried to commit a man or have a better quality of cutback. The header, he's in the side to score goals, I presume, because he doesn't offer much else if you ask me. He's then got to be scoring chances like that and he didn't. So, yeah, there is that. I'm still not a fan. The jury's still out for me. Um, I think it's the obviousness that I'm not a fan of. He's just so left-footed. And it's like when he receives the ball, he cuts off half the pitch because it has to be on his left foot. And you can be one-footed at the top level because your body shapes and positions are so good that you can just keep it on one foot. But at the lower leagues, you, you struggle. And I think a lot of... It sort of just slows us down at times. You know, when Calamani can take it on the half turn or he can, you know, drive with his left foot, it just opens more avenues up for us. So the jury's still out for me. I don't know if it's just my opinion or whether I'm being a harsh critic, but if he's missing chances like he's missing today, that is what he gives us. That's why he's in the side. If he's not doing that, then what is he giving us of being in that side? That's just my opinion. I don't want to sound like it's a witch hunt against him. It's just, I think Callum Ainley is a better option. But actually, I thought Luke Murphy was a good sub when he came on later as well. Just the situation suited Murphy. He could stick his foot on it and give us that control. You've but mentioned Luke Murphy. Um, we've not seen him for a while now. That was his first appearance in four games. I think he's not even got off the bench in that time. Has he been injured? Well, yeah. did he, I think he did have an injury and he wasn't in a squad. And Lowry came back in. But I, I think Lowry is, is a better fit for the way we play. I think Lowry, Wintle and Ainley is our best midfield three. Um, and then I think you, you swap in Ainley and, um, and Finney. I'm sorry, Murphy and Finney as and when. And I think Lundstrom would have played more if obviously he didn't have his injury too. But yeah, Murph, was to, that was the right time. Put a bit of experience, put your foot on it. Just, just calm it all down because that was at a time where Will flapped at that one and saved the rebound and he just thought, hang on a minute here, is the Alamo coming? Are we going to concede one and then have our backs to the wall? So Murph's experience being around the block a bit did make it, made a difference there. Um, whilst we're talking about players that have maybe changed panellists' minds, um, we as a pod, I think, have been fairly critical on Perry NG's performances recently. Tim, was that him getting back to his best today? 
Yeah, I thought he had, I thought he had a good game. I thought the defence as a whole was brilliant. Um, I wouldn't say Perry necessarily stood out as the best one of those defenders, but he certainly had a decent game. I thought it was NG's best performance of the season I've seen him play. I think he's been a bit casual at times whenever I've seen him. Mm. And he's been playing as if he's in League Two, playing against superior players, uh, playing against inferior players. Since we've gone up a division and playing against better players, he can't have that attitude in this league. And he has been found out on occasion. Um, but today he was very good, I thought. I thought he was solid defensively, got caught once in the first half. But I think he got a bit of a hospital pass in the first instance. Um, and he was good. I was impressed. There was a Perry NG of old. Okay, so we talked about the first goal. Um, Tim, tell us about the second goal. Brilliant. Charlie Kirk. Um, he read the, the pass inside from their left so early he was on the next page. And um, the, the last defender, he just left him for dead, ran through and slotted it past the keeper. And, you know, as he was running in there, I never for one second thought he was going to miss. I was absolutely sure he was going to score. And that, to me, shows how much Charlie Kirk's improved. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just so, so decisive. Shout out to um, the commentators, Pete Morse and Graham McGarry. They, you know, they, they called it. They called how decisive he was. You know, there was just absolutely no doubt in his mind what he was going to do. And it was um, a brilliant goal. And I think at that point, you go 2-0 up there. And you, that's when, for me, I was like, well, we're going to win this. We're definitely going to win this. It was, it was an absolute game-changer from we're playing well and we're in with a shout here to we're definitely going to win this. Brilliant from Kirk. Yeah, there was three parts of that goal that I think he did excellently. The, the reading of the pass that he cut off, his first touch was phenomenal. There was only one person that could get the ball after that first touch. It wasn't any of the defenders. It wasn't the goalie. It was going to be him. And then, like you say, the composure to finish it. No, I think you're, I think you're absolutely bang on there. It was a touch that made it, though, because he, he got it into a position where... He stranded. He didn't strand the goalkeeper, but the goalkeeper's like, right, what can I do here? Because it was already higher up the pitch because of how Peterborough, where they were. Um, his touch then got it out of his feet, killed the defence, and it just made him a lovely angle just to clip it in as he did. Um, but it was a brilliant bit of play. But you could see that pass. I mean, I see that pass very often when I play seven aside. A better player just intercepts it from the weaker player who's just not concentrating. And it was a real Alex Rani-esque pass from left back, just clipping it to a centre-off. And then the winger nips in. It was, it, was, it was brilliant play, actually, from Kirk. I thought you dominated your football matches, Alex. Um, I, last time I played, there was a rather tricky 21-year-old winger who I had to mark. And uh, he, he, he got the better of me in the first 15 minutes, shall we say. But the next 75, I thought I, I got back into the game. Problem was, we were 3-1 down within those first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that goal from Kirk's the sort of goal that really makes scouts sit up and take note. Yeah, well, Steve Bruce was there, according to the commentary today. So, you know. Did that rankle anyone or just me? No. The fact that a load of people would have loved to have been there today. And Steve Bruce doesn't need to be at that game, but he can be at that game. I was just thinking there'd be a load, thousands of people that would love to be there and they can't, but Steve Bruce can be there. I think there's, um, as far as I'm aware, I think there's an allocation of like two or three scouts per game. So obviously he just got one of the spots, I guess. Yeah. Maybe I suppose we need to sell a player, so... Sorry. We need to form our own scouting company. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one in the uh, crew area on this pod, Tim, so uh, it'd be you we'd be sending to the game, so you've done well there. All right, I'll accept that challenge. <laughs> uh, Neil, you mentioned earlier that 
Daniel Powell played well on Tuesday. Probably convinced Dave Artel to keep him in the in the team for today. Do you think he took that chance today? Yeah, I thought he did really well, um, especially first half. But again, obviously we had more of the ball and everything in the first half. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of impressed. He looked sort of like Powell of last season, really, for me. He was yeah. good, actually. You can see he's a very confident player and he can get on quite a run, can't he? So those two goals on Tuesday clearly did him the world of good because he was driving at the fullback, he was stronger, he was doing his defensive duties. And when he does get on a run, you know, he had that hot streak around Christmas last year. I remember he scored uh, at Stevenage and then he scored uh, Scunthorpe at home, Carlisle at home. Um, he should have scored against Barnsley at home. I remember reminding him of that miss from three yards in front of an empty net when he was on the train back from a game with me. Um, so hopefully he can go on a hot streak now. Making friends as always, Alex. Yeah, the good news was he, he sat in first class, so I sat with him. And then when the train guard came down, he was a football fan, so he was okay with it. And he let you after telling him all the things that he did wrong? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was very receptive to the criticism. I was full of praise because at the time he was playing well. And I, I am a Daniel Powell fan. I think he's, he's different to what we've got in the sense of he's, he can be a bit heavy-footed heavy with his touch, but he's strong, he's powerful, he's bustling. We don't have many players like that. And wingers like that can be quite awkward. So I'm all for it, considering the balance that sort of Charlie Kirk on the other ring and Owen Daly comes through. So I definitely don't think there's a spot in the side for him. So um, just before we move on then, they didn't really create anything. Uh, there were, I think one of you mentioned already the long shot that swerved that Jaskalainen should have done better with the first one, but then his second save was superb reflexes, wasn't it? But other than that, we kept them very quiet. Is that down to them or is that down to Beckles and Offord? Beckles and Offord. Yeah, Great. I thought Beckles and Offord were um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think just generally it, it's developing into a super partnership, probably one of the best defensive partnerships we've had in a long time. Um, you know, that's, that's 10 straight games in, in League One without conceding more than one goal. Last time we did was the open day of the season. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's largely down to them that we're 13th after 11 games. You know, we've played all of the top six and only one of the bottom eight in that time. The platform that they give us is, um, is, is excellent. Yeah, I agree. I think they've actually, I think everyone was concerned when Nottingham left in the summer and obviously we couldn't, we couldn't sign him. Um, but uh, Beckles has come in and is, has hit the ground running. I know people, you know, I saw murmurings on Twitter that people were a bit concerned with it about him. Every time I've seen him play, I think he's been very good. I think he's, you just get a bit nervous with him, don't you? Because he does, he can try and do some crazy things on the ball like we saw in the second half. But he hasn't got caught, he's got caught out a couple of times, but he has recovered or got away with it. And you, I think you've got to accept an element of, we're playing this way, we play that way, we're, league, if we're, we're in League One. You know, they're not Premier League footballers, they are fallible to mistakes. But yeah, Beckles, Beckles was very good, so was offered. But um, Johnson Clark Harris, or whatever his name is, he was terrible up front. He didn't hold it up. There was a real nice dummy in the first half where they managed to get him behind. But otherwise, he should have pulled the trigger in the second half and he just looked way off the pace. And I don't know if, you know, 10 degree chucking it down with raining crew didn't fancy it. Um, but he was... They'll have, they'll have more difficult afternoons. Um, okay, so man of the match then for today. Um, I'm fairly clear in my head who I think it is, but I'm not going to say it until you guys have had your opportunity. Alex, who do you think? Uh, Ryan Wintle. I don't think it was much of a 
much of a race, to be honest. He was absolutely superb. In the first half, he was everywhere. In the second half, he moved us forward, but he was very good at protecting the back four. It was a complete midfield performance, I think is the phrase. Neil, Tim, offers a different opinion. No, I completely agree. Wintel, for me as well, man of the match. Tim, different perspective? Well, several cracking performances, but I, I agree. When Ryan Wintel, man of the match for me, thought he was absolutely brilliant. Didn't even have to take his Roman slippers off. Superb. Okay, so I said at the start, a friend of mine, Andy, yeah, I was a, he, he literally uh, about to go back he, to that. <laughs> uh, wants some different perspective. He wants some arguments. Sorry, mate, all four of us, Ryan Wintel, man of the match today. Uh, we'll try again next week. Now, as we discussed in last week's pod, there won't be a women's team update for the next few weeks for obvious reasons. Their games are postponed during this second lockdown. Um, we are hoping their situation get back to normal as soon as possible. However, today we have got the opportunity to speak to Gab Sutton, um, who was at the game as a reporter on Saturday. Uh, here's what he had to say. Hiya, Gab. Delighted to have you on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to see you. Um, now, there might be some crew fans listening to this who have yet to become enlightened as to who you are. So could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, please? That's probably a good thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I've, um, I'm basically an EFL journalist, uh, sort of covering sort of various sides in the EFL, sort of following things across the board, buying for various websites and, um, and yeah, putting content out there on social media. So, um, yeah, um, that, that's basically what I'm, I'm up to. Um, I think it was uh, my brother Neil that uh, brought me to, brought you, sorry, to my attention at the start of last season with your pre-season predictions can you remember why that might have been as a crew fan? Yeah, so um, I predicted Crew Alexandra to finish third in League Two uh, last season uh, before a ball had been kicked. I think a lot of people have you in uh, around the mid-table mark, and um, you know it wasn't as if you'd kind of you'd spent a lot of money last season. So I think a lot of people were surprised at the prediction, uh, if I can be you know being slightly snug here. Um, but I think I was just kind of conscious that after beating Lincoln two-one on Boxing Day, with you know I think what. Uh, Danny Cowley described as one of the best teams in the place. Um, it really sort of struck a chord with me, and you'd been, I think, posted the best, you know, best form in League Two after that day. So um, I think that, that's really what kind of alerted me to say, you know, this is a side uh, on the up, and you've got some fabulous young talent there. So uh, I did fancy crew, but I did get lots of um, abuse online <laughs> for saying crew to finish in the top in the top three. So there, uh, people sort of saying you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, yeah, it's nice to be proven um, slightly right, I suppose. Yeah. I think you I... proved a lot of our fans wrong, because I must say, at the start of last season, you're right, we did have that good run of form, but then we did lose a few players and didn't really reinvest. So I think a lot of people were concerned that the squad hasn't got better. How do you see us uh, kicking on? But little did we know that we had Mystic Meg in our ranks. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we would have won the league if they'd have carried on playing through to the to the finale we had such a record at home and we were looking a lot better and solid on the road with, with Nottingham and Offord at centre off um, but we'll take the points per game promotion yeah so um, after that I think you were always a favourite down at Gresty Road and speaking of Gresty Road you actually got to go yesterday to see the win against Peterborough um, if anyone listening hasn't read up uh, your report yet I would suggest looking that up I did retweet it yesterday um, how was the game? 
Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the game. I mean, first of all, very much thinking a fans who couldn't be there, I think, you know, supporters who have followed crew for, for many years um, certainly deserve a chance to go and cheer on their team more than I deserve a chance because I've, you know, I'm not a crew fan. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, it's not the same without you as fans and um, I, I hope at some point in the future um, crew fans can go and cheer on their team because that's what football's all about. Um, but from a personal perspective, yes, it was a really enjoyable um experience and yeah cracking display from the Alex. Did you think so you've obviously seen the Alex a bit. Did you think that yesterday they looked better than the promotion season last year or not quite there yet? What did you think? Well I think it it was a performance that showed crew can deliver much of what they had in the promotion season last year. Um, at, against strong opposition and in you know, League One leaders, I think that's a really important thing to factor in. Um, I think, you know, you're looking at the partnership, left side of partnership between uh, Harry Pickering and Charlie Kirk that was so effective in League Two. They showed they can do it at League One level and who's to say they couldn't uh, step up against championship level if they got another um, move, whether that's through getting promoted or, uh, or, or any other form. But, um, but no, lots of young talents on display there that are all sort of stepping up really well as, as they progress in their careers. Yeah. Was it Pixie and Kirk, were they the two of the main ones that you think they're, uh, they're going to be next off the crew convey about to these bigger clubs or is there someone else there? Well, I think Ryan Wintle's a, a, a really important player. He um, he did play so, play so well from that midfield. I think because Cruz football is so um, possession heavy, he liked to sort of pass the ball and, and put together some tidy passing and movement. I think his ability to sort of maintain his composure when pressed um, is a really vital component to this uh, crew side. Um, so I think he's really important. And of course, you've got Perry and G, who um, I, I think was one of the most complete right back in League Two. And I think you could possibly say the same thing now about um, about him in League One. He pretty much pocketed Tariki Dembele, didn't he, yesterday? So uh, he's another one I'm a big fan of. And yeah, you know, Steve Bruce was at the game yesterday. I'm sure there are one or two players in there that, that, that piqued his interest. Did you manage to pick Steve Bruce's brain as to who he was? scouting there yesterday? I didn't know. Um, I'm a Birmingham City fan and I've got some fantastic memories of Steve Bruce being in charge. So I literally just went over to him at half time and said, you know, thanks for the memories you've given me. But, uh, I, you know, I, re I was quite respectful of the fact he was there on scouting duties for Newcastle United. So I didn't particularly want to uh, have too much of a conversation with him. So um, kind of just left it with that. But it was certainly interesting to see him yeah, because I think it's a sign that Crew are, um, are certainly interesting Premier League clubs, and I think Crew have to take that as a positive. Definitely, that they're producing such a high standard of players that Premier League clubs are interested. Um, so, Gab, was it yesterday? Was it a case of Crew playing well, or did Peterborough not perform? You know, they're top of the league going into that game. Uh, they barely had a sniff, did they? Yeah, I think Peterborough missing a couple of key players in uh, Jack Taylor and uh, Nathan Thompson. And I certainly think that this performance shows that they missed uh, those players. But at the same time, I think it was Crew's passing that uh, that forced Peterborough an off day. I think, uh, funny enough, earlier today I was on uh, a Peterborough podcast and they were saying that um, they're quite good when they're facing teams that play a low block, but when they're pressed high up they have a lot more difficulty. And I certainly think we saw that uh, yesterday. And 
Um, yeah, just the intensity of the way Crewe played. Obviously, the um, Charlie Kirk style was based on on pressing. I thought Kirk was really uh, instrumental from that point of view. I mean, there was a point with five minutes to go when Kirk was literally pressing the defenders right deep inside the final third. So when you're tuning up, so I think that shows the energy that he's got. Um, and yeah, I, I I just really liked the the work that he did without the ball today, and I think that was a massive factor in stopping Posh playing the natural game. Excellent. I've got one last question before I let you go. Um, we've just talked about players maybe moving higher up the league structure. If Crew were to not sell any of these players, how high do you see them possibly getting to? Well, I certainly think you've got a core of players that can play in the top two divisions in English football. I would say uh, Pickering, Kirk, Wintullen and Gia are the main players that have real potential to play in the top two divisions and possibly uh, you might include sort of slightly further back that can play about uh, Luca Ford is another one that's got huge potential I'm sure you could tell me uh, others so really exciting from that perspective and um, crew have obviously held on to their players uh, previously when um, I think you know I was talking to a crew fan after the mid-table season in 1819, and and I think he was saying that because crew didn't finish in the top seven, um, nobody um, sort of championship clubs didn't really scout their players or didn't show an interest in buying them, which seems ludicrous to me given the talent that you have. Um, I think the season just gone. I think a big factor behind why um, some of the players we've mentioned didn't go was the pandemic, where clubs in their current situation didn't feel comfortable paying the value that grew value their players at. So I think um, in both summers, both the last two summers, there's been factors as to why crew have been able to hold on to their top talent. But I don't think that's going to be possible for a third summer running. I do think that they will, there will be players getting snapped up. And, you know, that's the reality of being a club, um, you know, at a certain point in, in the pecking order, if you like. But I'm sure you've got a lot of faith in your academy to produce new players that are really exciting, as we've seen with Ford and, you know, even Owen Dale, perhaps. Um, so you've got some really exciting, you know, Jessica Lyman, I've not even mentioned. I mean, he's a great ball-playing goalkeeper, isn't he? So, um, yeah, you've got some great talent there. And, um, you know, I remember you, you were a second-tier club sort of in the early stages of this century, weren't you? So I yeah. suppose that's the that would be the dream, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what you just said there, that's sort of the game as a crew fan. We get these young players in, they start playing, we give them time to develop, they then progress up through the league system and they go with our best wishes. That's sort of how it is at crew. Uh, and I think most of us are anticipating that this team will start breaking up sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Gab. Um, you are welcome on any time, especially if you're going to carry on talking about the Alex in such an enthusiastic manner as that. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Oh, that's my pleasure, gents. Um, yeah, I really wish you all the best luck uh, for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thank you. Let's talk about this week's upcoming games. Um, there's definitely a sense of deja vu because we're about to talk about a trip to Oxfordshire on Tuesday night. Now, Tim, I was going back through this and you've been lucky enough to have been on all three pods before this game at Oxford was supposed to take place. So I'm not going to ask you what you think because we've heard it twice already. Uh, Neil and Alex, um, is this game actually going to happen this time? Yeah, I think so. I think third time lucky. That's what I'm going for. Um, yeah, I'm confident. No more Carl Robinson uh, nonsense? 
I think both managers were desperate to are going to be desperate to win this, but I think they'll shake hands, get the job done, go home. I think. Alex, you confident this is going to happen? Oh, it's got to, isn't it? Like it can't not go ahead. I mean, I still think we should have been awarded the points after the the second cancellation. Arguably the first, because we were still willing to pa- willing to play, but Oxford wanted the game off. But let's not ruffle ruffle too many feathers. Um, I'm sure the game will go ahead. Yes, okay. it would be hilarious if it didn't. Though, so they're still not really. We've said this last time, and it's not really changed. They're still not really in the best of form, are they? They're in the relegation zone. Yeah, I don't know what to make of them. Is it injuries that's causing them to be that far down? It, what is it? A expletive of a manager, I hope. Um, but I, I don't know. You get the hangovers from sides that have gone close to going up. Um, and it was a massive opportunity for them. Wickham in the playoff final, you probably couldn't have asked for a kinder fixture. Um, they knew what was going to be left in the league. So in terms of Portsmouth, Sunderland, Ipswich, you know, Charlton, it was a very strong league that they were, would have stayed in. So I just wonder whether it's just a culmination of all of that that they find themselves in this malaise that they can't shake off. They lost, didn't they lose a player? I think it was Rob Dickey or someone, and they've not really replaced him. So I don't know whether that's caused an issue. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm delighted that I like Carl Robinson. Oxford's a terrible away day as well. So I'm not asked if they want to, you know, be in the, down in the algae at the bottom of the league, then that's absolutely fine. Tim, are you confident this is the last time I'm going to have you on talking about Oxford away? This season, yeah, God, I hope so. I was, I was trying to work out whether Oxford are now our biggest rivals in League One. I mean, obviously, geographically, there's a bit of uh, animosity with Shrewsbury historically, but I think after all the fun and games we've had, um, yeah, about about Carl Robinson, um, he went to the same school that uh, my eldest son goes to. My eldest son's Connor Robinson, and one of Carl Robinson's old teachers always calls my son Carl because he used to teach Carl Robinson. Um, <laughs> But even he says he's a total bellend, um, which... Um, family podcast, family podcast. Family podcast, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> you can edit that bit out, can't you? Yeah, it's, it's Tim's son that's calling him that, not the teacher. No, it's the, it's the teacher. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think because it's, it's, it's such a big rivalry now, we need, we need like a name for it. I was thinking El Covid Co, but I don't think that really works. <laughs> well, that's something for the listeners. Maybe they can... Uh... They can come up with a name for us. But following Tuesday, um, crew will be down on the south coast away at Portsmouth. Um, it seems like I'm saying this every week, but this will be another toughie, won't it, Neil? Yeah, I guess say, look, in, they've had some good wins. I mean, they beat Lincoln 3-1, um, Sunderland 3-1, and Northampton 4-0. Like, they've obviously got a good team there. Um, so, yeah, another... Another tricky tie. This is ridiculous. Like, how are we... Like, every time, like you say, it seems we're playing top of the league every week. Yeah, and that's now we've got Portsmouth next honest. week as well. I was like, this is... You're having a laugh, aren't you? This is why we got promoted last year, Alex. Play these teams. Yeah, but you, you want the odd, you know, gimme chucked in there. Well, I think Tim said two months ago, our season really starts in December. The problem is, yeah. uh, the good news is we've actually had a decent start because with the fixtures we've had, we could have easily been sort of stuck in the bottom four, scrapping around for a win. And then when you do come into the fixtures that you're expected to compete better in, you know, your confidence is sapped, it's drained. It can have a, you know, a 
it's demoralising losing week in, week out, but we haven't. We've very much kept our heads above the water. So hopefully when we get the kind of run of fixtures, uh, we could kick on and really see where that will give us a true indication of where we expect to be in the league. I don't think 13th, well, now I've got to stick to my guns. I said we'll win the league. I think we've got a long way to bridge that gap. But the way we've competed, if we can turn these 1-0 losses into 1-0 wins in the second half of the season, then um, pop the champagne. Yeah, I think Portsmouth are bloody good. I mean, you, to give you an idea of how good their team is, that Geordie Iwala, is that how you pronounce it? The striker Ula. who was from Man City, we tried to get on loan. He's yeah. on their bench and he barely gets a game. So, um, you know, they've got a £2 million striker in John Marquis up front who's banging the goals in. Um, I think if we come away with two points or three points from um, two games against Oxford and Portsmouth, then um, it really sets us up for when we play all the mugs from the middle of November onwards. That's going to come back and bite us, that play all the mugs, wouldn't we? Yeah. Middle of November, you lose five on the trot. We're straight back onto this podcast. Get Robinson on. I want words. <laughs> <laughs> So, as ever, we do have our view from the opposition. I caught up with Andy from the Pompey News Now podcast. So, I'm joined now by Andy from the Pompey News Now podcast. Hi, Andy. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Um, do you want to start us off telling us a little bit about the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we are a podcast called the PO Forecast, which is obviously the the Portsmouth uh, start of the postcode. Um, and yeah, we, we're the podcast that represent Pompey News Now on Twitter. So if people want to check us out nearer the game uh, before before we play against you, then they'll get obviously a lot of information about um, who is injured, who isn't injured, and what our starting lineup and formation is likely to be nearer the time. Uh, obviously, we've got a game between um, between now and our game against you, so there could be more injuries. But um, yeah, it's just a group of us, us lads led by a guy called Hugh Bunce, uh, who's at Puck Drop UK. Uh, he loves hockey on, uh, on Twitter. But um, yeah, if people want to, to check us out, that would always be good. And obviously, we'll have a, a crew preview ourselves next week. So people can find us on um, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or on SoundCloud. So it's PO4 and then Cast. So yeah, if people want to tune into the crew preview, they're extremely welcome to. Great stuff. Um... Also, excitingly, I'm fairly confident because we're only a new podcast. You're the first ever doctor we've had on on this podcast. Oh, good grief. That's a, quite a claim to fame. Yeah, so there yeah. You go. We'll, uh, we'll pop that one down in the record book. Um, <laughs> I'll take the wins where I can get them at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> um, so now we're going to start with the same question as normal when we have people on. How is the season going for Pompey at the moment? Um, it's kind of on the up at the moment, I think. Things started off pretty dreadfully, as you may have noticed. Um, we started off playing this 4-2-3-1 formation that no one outside of the club seemed to really, or potentially some people even inside the club, no one even really seemed to enjoy how that looked on the pitch. And it also wasn't picking up results. Uh, it was a lot of long ball football. Um, and yeah, we, um, we lost, we dropped some points early on that we probably shouldn't have done. Um, but yeah, the last few games, we kind of pulled it back together. We started playing 4-4-2 which is what Pompey fans were clamouring out for. Um, and yeah, the results have started to come playing two up top and actually using John Marquis in the way that, you know, we should be using John Marquis has led to led some better results. I think we had a, a slight reality check against Charlton, um, who looked very comfortable against us um, and, and beat us 2-0 a couple of weeks ago, sort of our last league game but one. Um, but yeah, I think you've caught us on the upward trend, I would, I'd hope to, hope to be able to say at the moment based on recent form. 
Excellent. So you just mentioned um, you'll be playing probably a 4-4-2. Um, what sort of players other than John Marquis should we be looking out for? Who's the stars in this team? Um, so I'd say that we're a lot more dangerous going forward than we are solid at the back. Um, and I'm not even sure that really reflects in terms of our goals conceded, but just watching us every single game, I'd say, yeah, we're, we're more solid going forward than we are at the back. Um, obviously, yeah, John, John Marquis now we're playing two up top actually gets the ball facing the opposition goal rather than having it played up to him facing away from the opposition goal. So we're playing to his strengths a bit. Uh, Marcus Harness, uh, we signed from Burton uh, for maybe 18 months, two years ago, um, and had tended to be playing out on the right for us. Um, but necessity with injuries meant he started playing up top with Marcus in a 4-4-2. And he's just finding the net regularly. Um, and the two of them have formed up a really nice partnership playing up top. So he's kind of been converted from that right midfielder into playing in, in a striking role. Um, at the moment, we have some injuries and, well, had an international call-up this weekend just gone uh, in the wide areas. So there is a chance that Harness might have to play in one of those wide positions just to cover for injuries. But ideally, we'd be seeing Harness and Marquis up top. Um, and then you'd probably look at Ronan Curtis as the other X-factor player who can create something out of nothing. Um, he'll tend to play on the left wing. And, you know, if I had a pound for every time he picks up the ball on the left, cuts inside and then bends it into the far corner, I'd have, I'd have quite a lot of money, to be honest with you. Um, those are probably sort of the three big impact players. And then Andy Cannon in central midfield, uh, he's out with a knock at the moment, but he should be back for our game against you. Um, he's very capable of picking the ball up in the sort of the centre of midfield and then running at the opposition defence, which means that neither of the two up top have to drop deep, uh, which is one of the reasons we were having so many problems earlier in the season was that our attacking players were having to drop deep to collect the ball and then having no support whatsoever. So, yeah, probably probably more potent going forward than we are solid at the back would be my, my core, having watched this a lot. OK, so a 5-5 draw on Saturday then. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the potential for that. Looking at our centre-back situation at the moment, there's the potential for that, yeah. <laughs> OK. Um, thanks for that, Andy. That was really interesting. Um, before I let you go, would you be interested in a Pompey versus Crew quiz? I would absolutely love to. I'm not confident in the slightest, to be honest with you. I feel like last time we played you was a horrendous result, and it was a game that I couldn't actually make in person. It was at Fratton. I missed it for some reason. So I'm not sure how well I'll do, but nothing better than embarrassing myself in front of a load of Crew fans. Definitely. Well, I mean, you've already answered one of the questions with the, that, so you'll be fine, I feel. Um, the first question is a multiple choice to start you off easy. How many times have the two clubs met competitively? Is it A, 12, B, 18, or C, 24? Hasn't happened too much for the last 10 years. Um, I'll go safe middle ground, uh, whatever B was. <laughs> 18. Yeah, that sounds plausible. That is the correct answer. It's 18. Uh, Always go for the middle. One for one. Um, in those 18 games, which team has the upper hand? I mean, again, I'm guessing we're going back sort of decades and decades. Um, I'd go with Pompey just because of um, the fact that I'm a Pompey fan, but I am not confident in that answer whatsoever. So it's quite close. Out of those 18, there's been five draws. One team has won six and the other team has won seven. Unfortunately for you, it's crew that have got seven wins and Pompey have got six, which well, I we, find quite we can, surprising. We can revisit that question in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so when did the teams last play competitively? Oh, that would have been um, would have been season we won League Two, right? Because it was just, it was when we turned around our form a bit. Um, so that would be start of 2017. Yeah. So 2016, 2017. Do you remember the scores for either of those games? I uh, know, Fran. We lost one nil. Um, I can't remember the away the the crew. But that, that, that crew game uh, for uh, Fratton is one of a lot of Pompey fans' least favourite memories from the last few years. So it's, it's stuck in most of our minds, to be honest with you. That, that game, 1-0, George Ray had yeah. 10 minutes to go. That's the only time I've been to Fratton Park. So I had a lovely day out that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was 1-0 at Fratton Park and it was 0-0 at Gresty Road. So uh, some pretty low scoring games, especially for crew. We don't normally tend to have defences that keep two clean sheets in one season. <laughs> Um, Hopefully that'll continue to be the case this year. Oh, it's gotten better this year. We're much better defensively this year. But um, yeah, we'll see on Saturday. Uh, last question then. Normally we look at a player that's played for both teams. Uh, this week, Luke, who makes the quiz, he's decided to focus on Gary Roberts. Uh, he played 74 times, I believe, for Portsmouth between 2015 and 17. But he also had a brief loan spell at the Alex. Now, the question is, why did that loan spell cause confusion at Crewe? I mean, that seems like a very niche question to ask a Portsmouth fan. Um, yeah. It's a good question. Um, absolutely love Gary Roberts. Um, why did it cause confusion at Crew? I'll go for something really niche. Was it a case of he signed a permanent deal with another team at the same time and then came out on loan to you, so it looked like he'd signed for two clubs at the same time? No. So that's as niche the, as I can come up with. The two does have something to do with it. We already had a player called Gary Roberts who'd come through the academy um, and they were playing for the same team at the same time. They both ended up starting for the first time, I think a week later against Leighton Orient. So we had two players both called Gary Roberts on the pitch That's at the same time. commentator's nightmare, that is. It was probably a niche question for a Portsmouth fan, but it's quite an interesting uh, thing. To that is a good, good fact. Yeah. Um, so before one last thing then, Andy, before I let you go, what's your prediction for Saturday's game? Um, at the moment, it looks like we're going to have most of our players back from the injury niggles they're out with at the moment. Um, I'm very aware that you just had a very good result against Peterborough at the weekend, which uh, cost me my accumulator, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so I'd go with, uh, I'll go with a Pompey 2-1 win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw or we drop points because we've not been good at Fratton so far this season. We've been really good away from home, but poor at Fratton. Um, so I'd... I expect it to be a draw, but I'm going to predict a 2-1 Pompey win. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Andy. No worries at all, Stuart. Thank you for the invitation. I would say all the best. Nice to drop in. Yeah, all the best for the season after Saturday. Exactly the same to you guys. Okay. (laughs) From Saturday, you can win most of your games. (laughs) Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, prediction time then. Last week, all three of them, Russ, Steve and Andy, went with crew wins against Shrewsbury and Peterborough wins for the league game. So no points for any of them there. Um, Tim, you, along with four other people, have already predicted the Oxford result. And as Russ decided the last time we were due to play them, people are not allowed to change their opinions. So you are stuck with your 2-2 draw that you originally said. Neil and Alex, uh, you now get to become the fifth and sixth person to predict this one. So, Neil, we'll start with you. Oxford away on Tuesday. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I think, I would say we've got a better team, but I think they've got fresher legs for not playing on Saturday. 
So I'm going to go down the middle and say one all draw. Okay. And Alex, this is actually your first prediction because you only tend to turn up when we've got famous people on the podcast. So you've not actually made a prediction yet. I did, I did come on after the previous, the first Oxford cancellation. You didn't ask true. me for a prediction, actually. Well, because we so, thought we were going to be self-isolating for two weeks. So, yeah, you are right. You have been on one previous podcast when we haven't had an ex-player on. Apology accepted. <laughs> what do you um, think for this game? I think, oof, I, think we'll, I think we're going to sneak a 2-1 victory. Okay. I think, um, obviously, we don't concede more than one. He says, touching wood. I'm sat on wood, so that helps. Um, so I'm I think we, we podcast, sneak... Alex. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, two-two-one victory. I think today's result will really give them a bit of belief that they can actually go and win at those games where they're not necessarily expected to win. Um, and I think we'll we'll run with that momentum and, and sneak a result. Excellent. Well, we've got six different predictions there. Surely one of them has to be the right score. Okay, Tim, Portsmouth away on Saturday then. I think it might be one game too far for us on Saturday, and I think we'll get beat 3-1. 3-1. Okay, Alex? Yeah, I, I, we're not going to win the game. I'll rule that one out. Do I think we'll sneak a point? My head says we've gone to Sunderland and lost by the odd goal. We've gone to Hull and lost by the odd goal. We've gone to Ipswich and lost by the odd goal. We've actually gone to these games and sort of competed and just got pipped. Surely one of these games, we're not going to go, we're either going to get thumped or we're going to get a result. So let's be positive. We sneak a one or draw with a late equaliser. Okay. Um, Neil, Portsmouth away. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win for us. Um, yeah, I think we'll surprise a few people and uh, grab the win. Okay. Fair enough. So a little bit, uh, what have we got there? A crew defeat, a crew win, and a draw. So someone's going to get a point from that one. It's been a while since anyone got a point on these uh, guess the scores, guess the results on uh, this podcast. A couple of things to talk about before we go. Uh, we touched on it before. FA Cup draw, Cheltenham. How enthusiastic are we about that one, Neil? Um, not really. Um, we're in the hat. It's a, winnable, a very winnable game. Potentially third round, um, play, play one of the bigger teams that could potentially be on TV. Um, yeah, so not positive, but again, not a massive negative either. It could have been worse, but not much. I feel like that's probably sums it up, doesn't it? It's, it is what it is. We've got Cheltenham. Let's go and beat them. Um, Okay, last thing for today then. Uh, some news that came out of the club on Friday. Uh, Luke Offage just signed a new three-year deal. That's pretty good for both parties, isn't it, Alex? Brilliant news. Um, he's taken to first-team football like a duck to water. Um, been excellent. He's excellent again today. He's been excellent all season. Uh, he's, he's fast developing into Mr. Consistent. I can't really remember him having a bad game. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to disagree with me on that. That's a, that's a cue. Um, uh, but it's difficult. One. No, his, his own goal at Sunderland is the only thing he's done wrong since he played for the first team. And I, did, I didn't really think that was his fault. He sort of had to deal with it. You know, you're unlucky as a defender because I could easily go to the other side of the post. Um, we, yeah, he's been excellent. I do wonder where he'll end up long-term, though, in terms of positional-wise. Do we think he's going to be a long-term centre-half or do we think 
he could play. Is he going to end up playing at right back? Is he going to end up in midfield? I don't know. He strikes me as one of those that looks very comfortable on the ball. He's got some excellent body. He's always in the right position. Yeah, he seems a natural at centre half, but I do think he could play in a different position if necessary. And if he wants to go higher up the game, is he big enough and strong enough to be a centre half going through the leagues? I don't know, but it's good news for us. It protects us if he does go through the leagues because we know it'll be for a big transfer fee. Again, showing signs that these young players believe in Dave Artel, believe in the club, doesn't it, Tim? I think it's important as well that the players coming through know that if they do make that step up from a fringe player to a first-team player, and to be honest, he's probably first name on the team sheet at the moment, then they get their rewards. I disagree with you. Ryan Wintle's the first name on the team sheet at the moment. All right, Alex, come on, play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing a game for, for Stewie. He wanted some disagreements. We've not done anything for, for however long we've been on for. Yeah, if he's well, still I listening, think... he might have given up by now because we're yeah. all getting on with each other. I think, you know, for, the, for those kids, they need to know that if they perform and they get in the team, they get, they get rewarded with a new contract. So I think it's, it's a really, really good example of what can happen for the players that are one or two steps below. You know, Rio, Travis Johnson, Regan Griffiths, Lundstrom, for all of them, they need to know that once they're in that team, they get rewarded with a new deal. I think it's really important. Um, and I think the headline has to be offered and accepted. <laughs> uh, no one one other thing as well I say it's probably testament to his character as well that the fact that he got offered a contract on Tuesday and then by Friday he'd already signed it I think it shows like it, where his head's at really I think that's like really good right that's it for another week Neil Tim and Alex thanks as ever yep cheers Stu um Obviously, with us in full lockdown and my burgeoning left-back career coming to a grinding halt, I'm here for you whenever you need. Excellent. I'll, uh, I'll give you a call in a month or so. <laughs> um, thank you for listening at home. We'll be back next Monday with a look back at the Portsmouth game and to talk about an unprecedented third postponement of the same game. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.